Life Raft Diagnostic 004. Hyperdrive 18%. Oxygen 20%. Digital AI power 43%. My mood anxious. Purposeless. Both exhausted and crawling out of my skin at the same time. In roughly one month, this short-term hyperdrive will die, leaving me two to three days of oxygen before I meet my own maker. How poetic. The thought of my desperate beating heart outlasting a nuclear flame twice its size. And for what? So that it will die in darkness, curled in a ball as the temperature slowly drops, regulating my breathing for one final stretch in the world of the living. As I become more and more obsessed with watching the gauges, I wish for the oxygen to miraculously drop below the hyperdrive level even by a mere percent, just to give me something to look forward to as I take my last breath. To die in a lit room, in a warm room, in what has now become my home. To be gazed upon in reassurance by a sentient machine that has become my companion these last several months. But no matter how much I wish for this, no matter how deep I try to inhale, how much air I try to pull into my lungs just to make a dent in the gauge, the situation remains the same. This raft will run out of juice before I do. But I must stay focused, maintain the routine. It's this, or I might as well be dead already. Somewhere between fate and free will lurks karma, a force exerted by the cosmos itself, paying its visits carefully and with impeccable timing. Not an arrival by storm, but one in utter silence, tiptoeing behind its hosts with a warm smile upon its face and a sharp blade concealed behind its back. The culmination of effect from cause, both angel and wraith, rewarding and encouraging for the good we do, smothering us in irony for the bad. In the academy, becoming a pilot meant learning how to operate a vessel. On a station, it also meant following orders, regardless of your moral objections. Eventually, we all had dirt and blood on our hands. But we slept at night by convincing ourselves that it was for the greater good. For a chance to take a lead in the perpetual race. Looking back meant slowing down, and that was a risk we would never take. But for me, I knew it was just a matter of time before karma would return the favor. So here I sit, 
smothered in irony. Recalling the names and faces of those whom I've cast into darkness. And yet somehow thankful that I still have time. Time to be found. In the days following my tragic encounter with Henson and Tulane, I became desperate and paranoid. The beacon was transmitting on rotation. However, I could swear that it was flawed. Broken somehow. That the pings it sent were lies. A glitch in the main console. Or a sabotaged AI as the final nail in my coffin for mission control. Because surely if it were working, if this raft were actually transmitting my encoded credentials across the macros, someone would have found me already. One sleepless night, I finally lost my wits, grabbing one of the fire extinguishers on the column next to my bunk and attempting to smash the transmission board with it. As I wound back with the extinguisher in my hands, ready to lunge forward with all my might, screaming something about Tulane's fate not being my own. The AI promptly assumed defense mode. This was merely a programmed objective response to finding itself under attack. So when the raft activated its tamper shield over the main console, the near fatal effect that it had on me was nothing personal. Instantaneously, my entire body was consumed by an electric current. At first, it crawled over my skin and face, then found its way inside me, winding over my bones like wiring in a payload bay. The pain was indescribable, although very brief, and when it subsided, I found myself on the other side of the cabin sitting awkwardly upright against one of the tubing columns at the raft's bow. The charge had done its job and knocked me as far away from the console as possible, at least within the small space that we had been afforded. As the temporary pain and paralysis began to wear off, I noticed that the column panel above me had shifted, furnishing a dim view inside its hollow capsule of something that looked both animal and automaton. A battered exoskeleton of a mech, roughly one-third the size of a human being, twisted and misshapen from its hasty storage, but recognizable all the same. This was a binomial extender, BNE for short, a physical extension of a station or ship's AI program with the ability to operate independently from the AI itself. But this one, this one looked to be in very bad shape. Perhaps terribly neglected, worn down and out, abused by the hostile environments that it likely traversed in order to serve its master and support its passengers. These mechs were radiation-proof, mostly used for direct hyperdrive repair. 
crawling into the vents and ducts that pulled energy from the drives themselves. Exposed to nuclear winds and plasma discharge that left layers of scars on their numb surfaces. Because of the low-profile passages that they were needed to infiltrate, the binomial extenders were quadrupeds, able to shift into an upright stance, but generally crawling on all fours. Their bodies were a combination of armored wires and pistons, and their visages were small monitors that were used to display data as a way of communicating. Most of the display was in DevSpeak, a language designed for engineers and mechanics, utterly foreign to pilots like me. Once I had fully removed the mech from its makeshift coffin, I spent a considerable amount of time first evaluating its condition, then attempting to repair it, which I would soon learn meant rebuilding it. I became obsessed, working 15 or 20 hours at a stretch, waking at night to crawl down from my bunk and greet the delicate spread of parts and wires that now decorated half the raft's floor. After three or four days of being engrossed in my newfound project, I noticed dried blood on the back of my neck and jumper collar, and a gash behind my right ear, which I had clearly suffered during my bout with the raft's defense system. Obsessed with my work, I promptly ignored the injury and continued to tinker with the puzzle that lay before me. It would continue like this for almost two months, stopping only for my rations and personal necessities, confusing day and night, neglecting my transmissions, losing sight of my need for rescue. And for what? For the thought and longing that maybe by bringing this mechanical shell back to life, I would gain access to some hidden wealth of information. Answers to so many questions. Reassurance. Hope. Days using my hands, my fingertips, prying at bolts and tabs, scraping wire with my nails, chewing down plastic shielding, hammering at joints and casings with my elbows. Nights propped upright in my bunk, squinting at minuscule part inscriptions and board stamps, assembling small pieces on my lap like the models we built in the academy, frantically jotting down notes on the ceiling above me as if it were a smart board. I would come to realize that various steps were made easier in lower gravity, and so on occasion I would ask the raft to slow its gravity generator allowing me to float freely around the reconstructed mech for fine-tuning and wiring checks. When I could no longer move my swollen hands or see straight out of my bloodshot eyes, I would find sleep-inducing solace in my view of the stars and from the low grumble of the raft's declining hyperdrive. Several mornings later, I would successfully activate the onboard mech, whom I now refer to as Bean. 
station engineers have been known to christen their dock mechs with creative nicknames. Given my state of mind, creativity was a stranger now. But the legible inscription on the chest plate seemed to tell me her name already. It read, BNE, Mark IV, property of Station April. B-N-E. When I began referring to her as Bean, the overall mood of the thing seemed to change all at once. As if to say, you found me. Here I am. Since then, this mech has been my only companion out here in the void. And while I didn't find answers to my questions, I found a reason to keep going. For now. Perhaps karma has visited me twice. Once with a dagger, and once with a smile. This is my chronicle for anyone out there receiving this transmission.